Welcome to Education Talks, I'm David Burke. Carlina Carter is an experienced secondary mathematics teacher and university and career counsellor. Originally from Michigan in the United States, Kalina has experience working in both US schools and international schools in Korea. In this episode, she shares her journey from being a mathematics teacher to becoming a college counsellor, as well as some insights into the unique challenges international students face when applying to US universities. Well, Kalina, welcome to Education Talks. It's a pleasure to have you. Where are you joining us from? I'm joining from Seoul, South Korea, uh, and here we're experiencing some signs of spring. The cherry blossoms have bloomed. It's actually really beautiful here right now. It's a great time of the year in Seoul, this time of the year. Um, so thanks for being here. I'd like you to uh, tell us a little bit about your journey from being a, a mathematics teacher to becoming a, a careers uh, counsellor, and, uh, and what brought you to Korea? Sure. Okay. So I guess I'll first start with what initially brought me to Korea. Um, I came to Korea after graduating uh, university uh, in 2007. I worked at a small nonprofit immediately after graduating, and I kind of felt like something was missing. I hadn't traveled. I haven't really. I didn't really explore uh, too much of the world. And one of my friends had taught English in Korea a while ago, and they said, "Hey, why don't you give it a go? Um, this will be your chance to still teach um, and also explore the world." Um, so why don't you try it? So I eventually ventured to Korea in 2008 and stayed until 2010. And during that time, you know, I was teaching English. Uh, I was, you know, studying Korean. I was really uh, diving deep into, you know, my host country. And I realized that although this was my first time teaching um, and living abroad, it wouldn't be my last. It, it was not definitely not going to be my last. And so I eventually returned back to the States and, um, you know, went back into the public school uh, sector and was teaching mathematics and then was like, it's time to return. In 2013, I returned and began, began my teaching uh, career internationally, officially at international schools. And so I started teaching mathematics um, at a, a school here in Seoul. And and around like two years after my first, uh, you know, my first contract, I in 2015, the principal approached me about considering a, a, an alternative role in the school. And so he brought to my attention that students felt really comfortable in my classroom as they were learning math, you know, one of the most hated subjects. <laughs> uh, but they still enjoyed, uh, you know, uh, they were very comfortable learning um, in the setting. I made the classroom environment welcoming and they really connected with me. And so uh, because of that, uh, that caused me to be the best candidate to take on this new role as college counselor alongside uh, teaching mathematics, uh, alongside my mathematics teaching uh, responsibilities. And so initially I was taken back, I was hesitant because you know, I hadn't you know, applied to a university for, for years. I kind of was uh, you know, out of, touch with you know what our students had to go through in the process and so uh, the principal assured me that you know the learning curve is steep but yet i'd have many opportunities to learn and that ultimately the relationships with the students were most important um, because i was going to be a part of a journey that was outside of just the general classroom and so i agreed to challenge myself for for the new role and so um here i am i I noticed that uh, with balancing both roles as a teacher and as a counselor, I was leaning more deeply towards the counseling. Um, and I think that has something to do with, you know, my approach to my teaching in general is very student-centered, very individualized. And so I really valued that I had the opportunity to get to know the students 
way beyond just, you know, could they factor a quadratic? And so um, it really, it really catapulted me into this, this part of my career. Wonderful. Um, I want to ask you, what was it that inspired you originally to pursue a, a career in education? Yeah, oh, that's a big question. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't consider myself, you know, one of those students that dreamed, that dreamt of being uh, a teacher since, you know, since childhood. Um, you know, it naturally came to me as I was kind of grappling with what major to choose at university. And, you know, I was determined to become a veterinarian in high school. I was like, I'm going to, you know, be a vet. I'm going to, I love animals. And it was in grade 12 that I was just dissecting a fetal pig and it, you know, the large intestines totally, you know, broke. And I was like, oh, I can't handle this. <laughs> and, and then later on in that same class, anatomy class, grade 12, um, we were taken to a cadaver lab on the campus of University of Michigan campus. And that experience, although great, you know, a great learning experience, it just was kind of the, the moment where I knew that this, that a path in, in medicine and or, you know, veterinary sciences was just not going to be for me. And so I ended up at university uh, kind of undecided. You know, I kind of went into my undergraduate career very much undecided. And so I sat down with someone um, in very much a similar position as, as I am right, right now as an advisor. I sat down with an academic advisor and kind of was sharing with them, you know, my experiences and what classes I enjoyed the most in high school to try to vet out what it is I wanted to do um, with my career. And ultimately we started talking about high school and how I enjoyed um, my high school experience so much and being involved. And the advisor kind of insinuated that you can always return to high school. And I'm like, huh, and what do you mean? And not necessarily in the role of a student, but the role of an educator and kind of was determining what I thought about that. And that's when it absolutely clicked um, that, you know, I wanted to, yeah, go back and experience high school, but, you know, contributing to those moments that the students, um, that my, myself as a student enjoyed so much. And so, you know, it was that questioning, that advising that I wished happened a little bit earlier on. Um, but, you know, I appreciate that it took me to the path where I, it took me on the path that um, allowed me to be in the position that I am today. Um, and so, you know, I'm always an advocate for education and loved learning and, and going to school. And so, you know, I truly thought school was a magical place. So what better career to um, to aim for um, if you have that mindset? And so I majored in mathematics because that was the the, the class that I loved the most um, at the time. And, and that's what catapulted me to the field of education and being a math teacher. Awesome. Um, now in your current role as a university and careers counselor, I know that you regularly use data-driven research to help students and their families make decisions. Can you walk us through your process for conducting research and, and how it informs what you do? Definitely. I mean, you know, I kind of insinuated that, you know, it's a very individualized approach. And so most of the data that I'm using is qualitative. It's not necessarily numbers and just, you know, stats and graphs, it's it's more of the qualitative statistics that I'm using, um, you know, learning about the students. So I'm doing my little mini research projects on my individual students first, determining, you know, what is it that, um, you know, they are interested in, you know, what have they involved themselves in, um, you know, and I'm gathering that information from one-on-one -on -one conversations with them, um, 
from student created documents where they're you know creating a survey or answering a survey and parents are also providing information um, and and being present myself in many school related activities as possible you know that the students are involved in so that i can take my notes and and understand who they are in the context of you know the school that i'm at and and other aspects of the research process um, include, you know, following the trends in admissions um, from a statistical standpoint, especially after the pandemic, the trends have changed, um, certain aspects have changed drastically. And, you know, what is the impact on, you know, the student population that I'm working with? Um, and that is, you know, in the form of, you know, attending admission seminars, conferences, you know, um, as much as I possibly can. And from a statistical standpoint, you know, the collecting of data of the numerical data of where our students are attending and how that correlates to, you know, the curriculum that we're providing and et cetera. Um, that's a very important aspect is our own internal data um, because the students ultimately will be viewed in the context of where they graduate high school from. And so it's important that the high school data is accurate and up to date. And I know that can be challenging with the changeover of platform use. Um, and also with the changeover from, you know, the job turnover that occurs in international um, education. So, um, so that's, you know, kind of a very broad overview of the process, but it's very convoluted. A lot of numbers flying around, a lot of data, a lot of files, digital and um, analog. And so uh, that's just a brief overview. <laughs> well, and you're very good at it. Um, now, uh, international students, when they're seeking to attend a university in the US, what are some unique challenges that they may face in the application and admissions process and and how do you help them navigate these challenges yeah um it's funny i think you know one of the most unique challenges that i think international students um, seeking to attend a university um, in the us or even other as other parts of the world is is kind of the accessibility and ease of of visiting the campuses right and understanding the school from you know a um, from the ground uh perspective right so they're looking on websites they are reading reddits they are you know on instagram and they're trying to gather as much information as possible to make a really big decision about their life and some students have not had the opportunity to visit you the us for a while especially with the pandemic and um for for some of them, they're reliant upon childhood memories of what the region that they are hoping to spend, you know, their part of their adult lives in, uh, that are, you know, driving the the wish to study in particular regions. It's just, you know, a childhood connection, and so it's not maybe as relevant as what they potentially will need as a young adult. And so, getting them to understand um, that complex. Um, that complex topic of picking up the best fit university for what you need at right now, not necessarily what you are trying to remember. And a bit, it's definitely different for students who are attending, you know, schools in the US, you know, they may be applying to, you know, some of their local state schools, or, you know, they have the ability to take a weekend trip and not cost an exorbitant amount of money to visit some of their dream school campuses. And so I feel like that is a very big, that's one of the unique challenges that international students have is that they're making these very big decisions about their life with maybe not even having stepping foot on the campuses that they will be attending. And, and so as a counselor, you know, it's in my best interest to, do, to uh, you know, provide as much information as I can as possible to inform, inform, inform. And so, you know, I encourage students, if they have the opportunity to take advantage of, 
you know, for their spring break, do a college tour if possible. And if not, you know, I, I will attend, you know, fly-ins if it's offered by, you know, the institutions that my students have deemed, you know, an interest in. Um, and I will come back twofold with information, recordings <laughs> of, okay. of chats with, with alumni on campus and et cetera. So, and campuses really do understand that. And so they are providing their own programming. Like some schools have, you know, VR experiences, like virtual reality experiences. Um, and, you know, they have the 360 tours. Um, a lot of those things started popping up, you know, because of the restrictions with travel during the pandemic. Um, but, you know, most importantly, it's just to ensure that the students are learning about their their supposed dream institutions as much as possible and gathering that information uh, to make those decisions. So, yeah. Hmm. I wonder, are there, are there common misconceptions about the US amongst international students and, and families? Definitely, I would say one of the biggest misconceptions is um, the name value of the school and and how that correlates to you know opportunities that are bestowed upon the students like that I feel is you know much farther than the truth you know there are more than four thousand you know higher education institutions in the U.S. to choose from and many of which are well equipped to uh, to give the student the opportunities that they are dreaming of um, and to provide those unique opportunities for success for the attending students. However, you know, harnessing those actual opportunities is up to the student, it's their responsibility. And so I think it's irregardless of the name of this institution that they're attending, if they don't harness those opportunities, then it's obsolete. Like it, the, the name has, you know, no meaning. So um, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is, is, is correlating or, or like that cause and effect relationship. Like if I attend XYZ institution, then I'm going to be successful. And so, um, I think a lot of people have that misconception. And so understanding that the US, there's just such a myriad of, of opportunities for education um, that it tends to not to not matter eventually. Mm. How, how do you work with international students to help them understand the those sort of cultural and, and perhaps academic expectations that are the norm in, in the US? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being at a school that is, you know, an IB school currently, I feel like our students are very much prepared for the academic aspect, uh, but the cultural aspect is definitely something that we do have to prepare prepare them for. And I, I collaborate mostly with, you know, uh, other counselors who are more in the social, econo uh, social um, emotional aspect. Um, I recently collaborated with uh, our pastoral counselor here to create curriculum that is more of life skills uh, and kind of a pre-departure um, and transitioning uh, classes for our grade 12s. Um, we actually facilitated two two-hour sessions with our grade 12s uh, very recently on you know transition to life on college campus. And in some of these seminars, we focused on drugs, alcohol, and campus culture, partying culture, um, relationships and consent, um, life and some life skills um, activities. And so um, I think the life school activities were the most fun for the students. They had to learn how to tie a tie, sew on a button, iron a shirt, you know, mm -hmm. do a, a 30 second elevator pitch, you know, give an authentic apology, you know, and put a friend in a recovery position, just to name a few. And, you know, it, it really did kind of, it, it really helped the students understand that you know, they didn't have a chance maybe to practice some of these things and, and how they are moving into an adult, adulthood very soon. 
And um, another thing that we did to kind of help support and what I do um, is really build a strong alumni connection because the students are wanting to hear from uh, their peers that you know, have kind of went through a similar process as them, studied in an international school and are attending institutions in the regions that they hope to matriculate to. And so we brought back some alumni from the class of 2022 very recently, and they came back and shared their first semester stories. And uh, I even removed myself from the conversation to say, look, no adults in the room, please share freely <laughs> your, your first semester stories um, with, you know, with, with your peers. So it was it was great they really appreciated that so those are some ways in which i'm helping kind of them to navigate this new uh this new um process of of matriculating to their institutions now kalina as someone who holds multiple master's degrees how do you see the role of higher education in preparing students for the workforce yeah you know Education is, is funny. I think it's it's becoming more interdisciplinary. Um, I think having master's degrees in you know very diverse fields like the arts and technology of which I have um, has kind of informed a lot of aspects of my the way that I teach in the classroom. And so I kind of see it in in action, right? Pursuing higher education in, from an interdisciplinary mindset, I believe, is what's going to kind of create the change makers, the innovators, and in the workforce. And so that will, you know, be able to solve some of these more complex problems that we're facing in the world today. So um, I believe that, you know, higher education still holds a very important part of, of being prepared for the workforce and, you know, having degrees that are more approached in a more interdisciplinary aspect are going to be uh, more and more common. Right. So we're seeing like sustainability and environmental science. Right. A lot of a lot of degrees are now combined, um, you know, approaches to rather than just the traditional um, kind of one track major. So I'm seeing more and more of that crop up in higher education. Interesting. Um, now, you'll have experience teaching in the US and Korea. So I'm also wondering, how does this experience, how has it influenced your approach uh, generally to education and counseling? Yeah, you know, it is, you know, my approach is very student-centered, as I mentioned before, and, and so being able to connect with the students and understand their experiences and relating to them has been, you know, always my priority. Um, and so teaching in the U.S. and abroad has kind of allowed me to see, like, you know, diverse perspectives, diverse backgrounds, diverse ways of upbringing, um, and so dealing with a very much more diverse range of students. Um, and it's brought in my perspective, it's broadened how I approach different students. Um, and it really has allowed me to, you know, be able to understand and uh, really approach the students on their level um, and, be, and be more relatable. So I would say teaching in both, both regions has, has really allowed for me to uh, be more confident in my approach to you know, a diverse group of, 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 of students. Um, I'm wondering if you can maybe share any success stories of students that you've counseled or, or moments in your career that have just given you, you know, great satisfaction. Yeah, you know, um, counseling can be very challenging, especially these days um, with the landscape of admissions and, and how cutthroat it can be. Um, but definitely the moments in my career that I feel the greatest satisfaction is when a student runs to the door 
and, you know, is welcoming me celebrate with them when they gain admissions to, you know, their top choice or their first choice school. Um, and usually the most memorable are, you know, students who applied and gained admissions to the institutions that we maybe don't recognize the name to. Um, and what makes it so successful is that the student went through the process from beginning to end, uh, aiming on best fit. And I absolutely adore those moments where I understand that we're celebrating the student and their achievements and the university is also celebrating the same thing. And so we're all on the same page, we're happy and we're celebrating together. So those are definitely the moments where um, confirms, you know, we're, we're approaching this the right way. Yeah, very good. Um, now, I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on AI, uh, particularly chat uh, GPT and, and how it can be used for international students uh, with their, their college application process. Yeah, you know, chat GPT, just like any other technology, is just a tool. And so at first, you know, I was a little caught off guard with, you know, how how easily it was able to generate, you know, responses to some essay prompts I threw in there. Um, but, you know, I think it can be used in a more ethical way. Like, obviously, students can use it to maybe generate you know, some college lists if they're having trouble finding, um, you know, certain qualities in, of institutions or they want, you know, a particular major and they're having issues finding, you know, that niche major and what institutions offer that major. I think they can use it um, in that aspect. But, you know, just like any other information found on the internet, they have to they have to go to the source and confirm. They have to vet out what is, you know, being spit out by this, you know, this black box technology. And so, you know, more popular topic in the counselor circles is, you know, whether ChatGPT can be used to ethically help students um, mm -hmm. write their essays. And, you know, perhaps it can be, but you know, ultimately, especially with you know the holistic review and U.S. admissions you know, students have to convey their humanistic side in the common essay, in the common F essay and, and in their personal statements. And so the admission reps who are reviewing that, that and looking for that connection, um, they're trying to understand the student from through that lens. And so if it's primarily written by a non-human like AI, um, then this completely defeats the purpose. And so I think there'll be ongoing conversations as it develops. I think it's very still new. And so institutions are trying to figure out, you know, how it could, if it does have an impact, you know, what the impact would potentially look like. Um, but as of now, I think just, you know, not hiding from it and just saying like, it can be used in X, Y, Z um, ways um, and and ensuring that the, the students understand it as a tool and not a crutch. I think it will open up some doors for, um, students who may not have access to a counselor and just need some feedback on an essay and, and need to, you know, um, you know, chat with it about <laughs> chat with uh, the AI um, about their response. Um, so I'm definitely open to seeing, you know, what happens, but I would not say I'm leaning any strong way um, against chat GPT. Um, I think it's very fascinating, actually. <laughs> Indeed it is. Now, lastly, um, what advice would you give to students and families who are sort of navigating the college application process? Yeah, um, to students themselves, like take a deep breath. Um, you will end up making, you know, the right decisions for, for your pathway. And so um, they, you will end up where you uh, should be. And so I don't think um, that there should be 
a lot of stress put onto um, the process. It's just a process. Um, and for families, perhaps uh, trust trust the student to to make those decisions. Give them the opportunity to actually make some of those more challenging decisions throughout the process. Um, this these are life lessons that um, you know cannot be learned elsewhere. And so um, you know, let them lead and, and take the wheel. Good advice. Now, uh, Colleen, if people want to get in touch with you, if they've been watching, listening to this interview and uh, they want to reach out, what's the best way for them to go about doing that? Sure, um, you can contact me on LinkedIn. I have a profile, so um, I'll ask you to put the link somewhere and uh, you can definitely connect with me in that way. Very good. Now, it's been wonderful to have you on the program, Kalina. Uh, you're a great uh, former colleague and uh, hope we can keep in touch. Thanks for being a guest on Education Talks. Thank you so much for having me. Education Talks is an Ed Events production for the Ed Events community. You can keep up to date with the development of the community by registering on the website at ed.events.